Tomorrow is game day, Florida Gators, Georgia Bulldogs. What should the game plan be? I got it here for you on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. Happy Georgia week. Tomorrow's the game, baby. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants, countryofsi.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKEDON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, review, all that fun stuff. Check out the Lockdown Gators Discord description down below. We're going to have a lot of fun there. Um, But, yeah, it's Florida week in Georgia. Love it. As always, we're starting with the Florida, or as almost always, we're starting with the Florida offense against the Georgia Bulldogs defense. And I'll say this. Because whether it was my comments in the Discord, on Twitter, whatever it was, myself included, a lot of people have said, do what Missouri did against Georgia. But when I was re-watching the game, a lot of it was luck for Missouri. Like not not saying that they weren't a good game that they didn't play a good game. But, you know, Georgia had a couple of drops. Georgia dropped a pick because as Brady Cook threw up a duck. Uh, Georgia corner was covering the receiver. Georgia safety was trying to field it like a punt, and they ran into each other. Stuff like that. Yeah, no. Um, that's not going to happen. But, and again, this isn't the game plan that Florida will use because they rarely listen to me, which is fair. But it's what I think they should do or what I would do if I was in this situation. First off, and honestly, probably the most important one here, Anthony Richardson has to be willing to run the ball often. Like whether it's scrambling, whether it's the option game, whether it's designed quarterback keepers, QB draw, QB power, we've seen quite a bit of whatever it is. Anthony Richardson has to be willing to run the ball often. We discussed this earlier too, where it was like, well, you know, I I think I forgot if it was this week or last week, but I talked about the option game for Anthony Richardson and that Florida should really break it out because if there's ever time for you to just just say, screw it, let's do whatever we can, this is that week. But it's also just that you have to make the defense account for you. This is a great defense that you're about to play. You have to make them pay whenever that's available. Brady Cook did it a little bit against Georgia. And it's kind of... Uh, I can't remember which game it was last year, but Emory Jones was still the QB, and it might have been the bowl game against UCF, um, where it was pretty much just like, hey, man, make your first two reads quickly, and if it's not there, run the ball. I, I think you have to take that approach with with this Georgia game here, uh, just because you have to make them know early and often that you will run the ball. Quarterback depth is not an excuse anymore. That's not something you can say where you go, well, you know, I have to play more conservative because we have a depth issue right now. Screw it. 
screw it. We'll talk about it later, but you need to win this game if you want to, I mean, not, not that you need to win this game if you want to have a successful season, but if there is any game on this schedule where you go, screw it, we're gonna we're just gonna do anything we can, this is that week. Like this is that game that uh that you need to do it. Another thing, Bud Davis briefly touched on this on Tuesday, where Georgia doesn't or Georgia rotates their defensive line a lot on third downs. Passing downs, they rotate their defensive line. So Florida should go no huddle on second down to third down. You run or pass on first down. I don't care which one it is. You do that. You run or pass on first down. On second down, you either run or throw it behind the line of scrimmage where you know you can get an easy completion. And then you go no huddle. I don't care what you do between first and second down. But second down to third down, you run no huddle. You you either run the ball or you take an easy completion and you run no huddle immediately after. So... Georgia can't rotate because Georgia likes to rotate on third downs. Their starting defensive line just doesn't generate a ton of pressure. And if you do that enough where Georgia goes, okay, well, on second down now, we're going to rotate in our, our pass rushers, run the damn ball at them. Simple as that. Like, like that, and Simple as that in air quotes. Um, that's what you do. You go hurry up, do whatever fits the situation on third down. If you run it on first down or you pass it on first down and you gain – two yards and you run it on second down and you get another three and you're in third and five, you can do whatever you want. You can run the ball. You can throw the ball. I don't care. And don't give me that you can't run on third and medium because Florida's rushing game has been way more efficient and way more effective than their passing game. So I I think that that's got to be a key to do this where you say, okay, second down, we're going run the ball, hand it off. Anthony Richardson run. I don't care. Run the ball on second down. Throw a screen. I know you love doing them to Xavier Henderson, so throw the screen to Xavier Henderson if you want to do that. And just just don't lose yardage and make sure you stay in bounds and you just go no huddle immediately after. And here's another important thing, because the next thing I'm saying is you need to run the clock. And I realize that to a lot of people, that seems counterproductive for me to say, go no huddle, but run the clock. Because a lot of times when you think... Oh, go no huddle. You're thinking that they're going, okay, like like plays over, sprint up, quick snap, go. No, that is not what I want you to do. What I want you to do is what Tennessee does. Because Tennessee, they are up-tempo. They do go up-tempo a lot, especially after a big play. They'll be like, all right, let's go quick strike again. But you're, you're going no huddle not to just take advantage of Georgia. You're going no huddle to take advantage of their rotations. And here's what you do. You go no huddle. You you don't huddle. You quickly run up to the line. You you know substitutions. Just go, and you can wait there for a bit. Like you could sit there for twenty seven seconds and then be like, okay, like now we're gonna get ready to to play. The point of that is what Tennessee does. You do it a lot. You hurry, but you don't rush. Like you, like you run the hurry up. You run no huddle, but you don't rush anything. You sit there. You take your time. You look at what the defense is doing. You look at what the defense is giving you. And you take that. And that's what I think you got to do. You have to run the clock because this is a team that Georgia's offense is fantastic. They're going to punch you in the mouth a lot. And you don't want them to be on offense much because your defense is going to be hurting through this game. So you go no huddle to prevent substitutions, but you let the clock run and let the play clock go there. Another thing that I want to see Florida do, I'm not sure if we will see it, but one thing that I want to see Florida do Georgia's DBs 
are very physical. They are. Georgia's defensive backs are specifically at corner, out wide, uh, not necessarily in the slot so much, but they're physical. They can get a bit grabby. I think the two starting outside corners have combined for six uh, DPIs or holdings. Six penalties in coverage. And you've got some pretty big receivers. Xavier Henderson, 6'3", Justin Shorter, 6'4". You could put Keon Zipper out wide like you've done every now and then, but he's only like 6'1", but he's stocky. He's big. You have to be physical with him. I think, because I said it yesterday on the crossover with Gordy, and I will say it now, and I say it all the time, you have to challenge vertically. You have to. You don't have to complete these passes, but you have to let them know you're willing to do it. I think specifically in this Georgia game, you have to challenge vertically down the sideline. I think you have to go out wide and deep because one, you've got a solid chance of a few things happening. If you throw it towards the sideline, and I mean like to a sideline receiver, to a boundary receiver, and also you lean it to that back shoulder, a few things are going to happen. You could either throw a pick, which yeah, you can do that. They can make up, your receivers can make a play on the ball. You throw it out of bounds. Like if it's too far out of reach, then it goes out of bounds. Uh, Or you can get a flag. Two of those things are good. One of them is bad, but not horrible. And one of them is horrible. So I think you go, okay, like this is a calculated risk. Just every now and then, just take a shot down the sideline. Especially if you've got single coverage there, there's no reason not to. You take your shot down the sideline and you hope for the best there. And I, I think that's an approach that Florida has to take here. Just just make them respect it. That's the important part there. And you can maybe pick up some uh, defensive pass interference calls, especially if you underthrow it a little bit and just shorter to come back to it. And it's like, oh, the DB's in his way and, and things happen. Uh, so that's an approach. We're about to tell you about how the Florida Gators defense can attack this Georgia Bulldogs offense. But first, a quick word from Underdog, because this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, which is the easiest place to spice up college football season. And I I will say this. I am a big fan of no risk it, no biscuit. I'm risking it for Florida, Georgia. I'm taking Anthony Richardson to have higher than 38 and a half rushing yards. I'm taking Stetson Bennett to have higher than 10 and a half rushing yards. And I'm taking Justin Shorter to have higher than 34 and a half receiving yards. You could tail if you want or, or fade if you want, but them all under. Why not? Sign up with the promo code locked on underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100 and you get another $100 free. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Now we're talking about how this Florida Gators defense can attack this Georgia Bulldogs offense. And I say attack because I don't want to say how this Florida Gators defense can defend this Georgia Bulldogs offense, how they can stop them, slow them down. No, I want you to attack them. That's what I want you to do. I want you to win on first down. Georgia does a very, very good job of keeping it pretty balanced in terms of whether they run or pass on first down. Certainly part of that is skewed because they run so much late in the game. So they like to pass a little bit more on first down. About 15% of their passes are RPOs. Well, when Stetson Bennett's in, which he will be. So 15% of their passes are RPOs. About another 7% are screens. I think total it's 14% screens, but a lot of those are also on the RPO. So We'll say there's about a 
22 percent 20 percent chance we'll say eh, 22 we'll say 22 22% chance that that ball is not going further than three yards past the line of scrimmage so on first down I want the corners to get physical get up in their face throw their receivers out of rhythm screw up the RPO if they want to do it and in the front six I want you to run at Stetson Bennett I want you to run at whichever running back gets the ball. And I want you to hit them in the mouth as hard as you can. I think you got to win first down. On second down, Georgia likes to run the ball. Georgia likes to run QB draw. If they're stopped, they like to keep it short still. They sometimes like to throw it to the sticks. But even then, on second down, they like to throw it short because they have playmakers everywhere. So they're going, hey, let's keep it short and let's let them make plays, which you can do. Here's the thing. If you can get them in third and medium, or third and long, I have a very, very bold strategy, very new strategy for Patrick Tony. And this is not a shot at Patrick Tony uh, at all. But I want to say this blitz the hell out of them. If you get them third and medium, third and long, I want you to blitz the hell out of Georgia. And I apologize for, for saying damn and hell this episode, but guess what? Like I said, it ain't Georgia hate week because we hate Georgia every day. And it's it's time. Like now, let the hate flow through you and let it happen. You got to be physical to the line of scrimmage. Throw receivers out of a rhythm. Throw Stetson Bennett out of the rhythm. Throw that future realtor out of a rhythm. No knock on realtors, but... You're, you're, if you go from national championship quarterback and that's your goal and that's where you're going to wind up, that's fine. But guess what? You're not an NFL quarterback, Stetson. I'm sorry to tell you that. You could be a backup. You could, you could be a backup for a bit. Chase Daniel did it, so you could do it. Um, but you're, you're not that good. Communication defensively has never been more important. George is going to use a ton of pre-snap motion. And I don't mean the kind of pre-snap motion that you usually see from Florida. You'll occasionally see this from Florida, but most of the pre-snap motion you see from Florida is a receiver coming across the formation, a receiver looping around the back, whatever it might be. From Georgia, you'll see more, I don't even want to say more creative motion, but you'll see complete shifts, complete formation shifts. You'll see them come out with, you know, uh, one tight end on each side and a receiver behind them. And then you'll see them motion to two tight ends on the left in a bunch set with a receiver and one receiver split far wide and the running back stays right next to Setson Bennett. And you see the look completely change. It really helps Georgia figure out what the defense is doing. That's fine. But you need to communicate so that you, so that you know what's going on because communication has been a horrible issue. We've talked about this with everybody, everybody that I've talked to. We've all said this. Communication's a bad issue, and it shouldn't be an issue. I don't care if it's your first year in a defensive system. A lot of the guys have been playing a lot of snaps. Trey Dean's a fifth-year guy. Ben Miller's a sixth-year guy. Mario Bernie's a fifth-year guy. Rashad Torrance has been starting completely for two years. You've got defensive linemen that have played that's a little bit, we'll say. We'll say they've all rotated in, but they defensive line is like the only place where it's excusable. Schmar James is a freshman. Yes, corners, you've been in the, you've been in college football long enough to know to communicate and you've been burned enough to know to communicate communication cannot be an issue in this game otherwise you might as well pack your bags up and just go home if you're not going to communicate properly so that's an important thing here and one more thing i have for this florida gators defense which i'm sure that the coaching staff saw on tape as well 
Missouri had a lot of fun with this. The Georgia offensive line, I don't know if it's them not communicating or them not reacting, but they've had some issues against sim pressures. I don't just mean creepers. I mean sim pressures. I mean, you show blitz and you're showing a pressure and then you send it from somewhere else. Missouri did it a few times where they'd say, let's say you have four down linemen and then you have uh, your, your star, we'll say. Your star comes up and lines up right outside one of your edge rushers. And you're thinking they're going to send that, like that, that nickel is blitzing. And then you snap it, nickel drops both, uh, both inside linebackers, blitz you, fire zone, whatever. But both inside backers blitz you, and, and now you've got to adjust there. And Georgia's offensive line was bad at adjusting to that, especially against Missouri. And they've, they've struggled in other games. But again, you have to consider Georgia hasn't played a ton of great teams. Um, they got, I mean, that Oregon win looks great, but they got Oregon in the first game with a new coach and a new coaching staff, and a new quarterback and a whole new system. And Oregon's gotten better every single time, every single week, but you got them at a great time to play them. Um, which isn't diminishing, like you demolished a power five team that is a conference contender. That's not taken away from it. I'm just saying they probably would have been closer if you were playing Oregon right now. Um, but yeah, no, this Georgia offensive line has struggled with the with again with with sim pressures, and you don't have to send five. You can send four. You can send five. You can send six. You can send whoever you want. And yeah, but I, I think that that's got to be the strategy here. Because and you cannot let Stetson Bennett get outside. Edges, whoever is on the field at that time, you have to play contain. I get it. We've struggled in Gainesville with containing quarterbacks out what you can't let it happen this week, and you need to finish the sack. If you get your hands on him, you need to put him in the dirt. Simple as that. And then now we're talking about what happens if you win. Or if you lose, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. As always, the way we're wrapping up today's show now is a little different than how we usually do. Usually we do, ah, this is what I want to see from these depth chart changes, but there weren't many. What I will say is what happens if you win? What happens if you lose? First off, if you win, which I don't think is impossible, I think it's unlikely, but I don't think it's impossible. I think if you just execute the things that we talked about here and things that I didn't talk about, things that I cut out, the little things, they can get a solid chance. But I will say, if you win, congratulations. You've got a legitimate chance of finishing the season 9-3 and three and winning out. That's, that's just a fact. And we talked about it with Gordy yesterday. Genuinely, win or lose, Florida could win eight games this year. Texas A&M, they're not scary anymore. So you can go 9-3 and three this season. Texas A&M isn't scary anymore. And they're crumbling right now. SC, wildly inconsistent with an inconsistent quarterback. You, you can take advantage of them. Vanderbilt is better than they've been. They are. I think they're still a few steps away from not being the bottom of the SEC. But they are undoubtedly better than they've been. Congratulations, Vandy. Florida State. Yes, Florida State started the year looking really good, and then they've had stretches where they've looked really bad. Here's the thing, and I say this all the time. It's one of the reasons that I do think Florida can win. 
Florida State is a throw-the-logic-out-the-window game. That's what it, It's one of those rivalry games where you say, we can talk about it, we could prep all we want, but there are probably going to be some wonky, wonky things and just throw it out the window completely. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think that's what Florida State is. And if you could finish 9-3, and because I'm recording this very shortly before Cormani McLean's commitment. So at the time of recording, I don't know if he's a Gator yet, by the way. Um, but I will say, if you can get Cormani without even looking like you're going to finish 9-3, and three, and you do finish 9-3, and three, is there a better situation, a better scenario, a better way in which this first season under Billy Napier could have worked out? You can get the top corner in the country, top player in the state, debatably top player in the country, debatably top defender in the country. You can beat, again, this is if you go 93, you beat Georgia, who was number one in the country at the time you played them. You beat Utah in week one, and they were number seven when you played them. You took Tennessee down to the wire I forgot what number they were when Florida played them, but now they're three. Like, like if you can do that, there. I don't think there's a better way you could have said this season gone. Sure, you dropped Kentucky, LSU, and Tennessee, but you you took them down to the wire. You had this great, great year. If you lose this game, you still have a chance at going eight and four. Keep in mind. I have not forgotten this. Lee Sterling locked on bets. He said, Florida's a three-win team. Hmm. That, uh, that didn't go well for you, Lee, did it? No. But if you lose this game, you can still go eight and four. You can. If you lose this game, screw it. You can do whatever you Play the young guys. Play the true freshmen that haven't gotten to play much yet. Play Start Miguel Mitchell at star. Start Shamar James at the Amari Bernie spot. Not a knock on Amari Bernie. I think that they're pretty similar in talent. I would like to see Shamar James get to play just more in general. I'll say that. Um, you, you play some of the young receivers. You play some of the young O-line. Rotate them in more. You be more aggressive with your play calling. Do it. If you lose to Georgia, you're sitting at four and four. You still have a possibility to run the table and finish eight and four. Get crazy with it. Get aggressive. Take more risk. Go for it more on fourth down, which, by the way, you have to do in this Georgia game. You know that scared money don't make money. You put your money where your mouth is against Tennessee. You do it again against Georgia this week, Billy. I want you. I don't want Jeremy Crawshaw. I love you. I don't want to see you touch that football field this week. Simple as that. But if you lose to Georgia, you say screw it and you just go nuts and you have fun with it. You you do whatever you want to do. You throw the ball deep sixteen times a game if you want. You go full air raid, no huddle, and just have fun with it. Be Mike Leach. I don't care. Do whatever you do. But if you lose this game, you can still go eight and four. You could just be a lot more aggressive because. There's less on the line for you, which is why Gordy said it yesterday. This game is so dangerous for Georgia because Florida is a team with absolutely nothing to lose from this game. I'm just saying, I I, I think Florida's got like 
a 30% chance of winning this game. And I think that's pretty damn good when you look at Bet Online having them as 22.5 point underdogs, which we'll talk about tomorrow when Tyler Fornis joins the show. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, check out Lockdown SEC for your second listen with Chris Gordy, who is the crossover guest uh, yesterday. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryofSI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.